Father, thank you that you're living big on the inside of us today. Thank you that your Holy Spirit has taken up his home in this place, both individually and collectively. Father, so that we could be ushered in to seek your face, that we would find grace to run our race. Father God, that you, we would find any and everything that we need to walk with you. Father, thank you so much for your care. <laughs> oh, a Father's care. The Father's care. You're a good, good Father. Thank you for your care for us all today. Oh, God, our hearts turn toward you. Our hearts stay fixed upon you and settled. Thank you, Father. There's nothing no one that can pluck us out of your hand. We are secure, safe, and on your word we will and do stand. We'll walk forward, not turn back, but keep our eyes on the prize, and we will take our land because it's been destined and ordained. And that's what you're continuing to draw us to. <laughs> Thank you for continuing to work in us to will and to do of that which you've called us to, which is to worship you, <laughs> to be with you, <laughs> to become like you. You are our end. <laughs> it's not a something, but it's a someone. <laughs> you are our Alpha and our Omega. <laughs> You're everything in between. And we love you, Lord. And we praise you, Father worship you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. You can be seated. Thank you, worship team. Hallelujah. Praise God. As you're being seated, before we get in the Word, let me welcome you, first of all. Welcome again. I know you've been welcomed already, but welcome again. And uh, to just make a quick note. Pastor Mark and Amy are out for a few days, and they'll be back this week, though. And uh, and also, want to remind you, you saw the... Um, Announcement on the screen there to where uh, Pastor Glenn Johnson of Faith Church, Faith Church Center, I think Faith Center Church, Faith Center Church in Vancouver, Washington. Uh, he graduated Rama Bible Training Center in 1981, got married shortly after that, and then shortly after they, he was married, him and his wife began the church there in, uh, in 1982. So he's been a friend of Pastor Mark's for a very long time. They've made numerous trips to the Philippines, and so whenever they go over there, that's usually where Pastor, who Pastor Mark is going with. Uh, very often is uh, Pastor Glenn Johnson. So Pastor Glenn will be here uh, next Sunday to minister. He was here several years ago and ministered at one of the LBC graduations uh, that Pastor Doug graduated from. And, uh, and uh, yeah, and so it was really good. And uh, it'll, be, it'll be good this coming Sunday. So, yeah, so come back and, uh, and Pastor Mark will be there too. So, hallelujah. Amen. Well, you're glad to be in church today. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, let's get right into it. Praise God. How many of you know what we're just praying there that, you know, the Lord is he's not necessarily called us so much to something, but to someone. His plan for our life is not so much to do something as it is to become like someone. Although there are going to be tasks involved in that and helping to assimilate people, teach people, raise people up. But I promise you, it's a lot more about our, um, 
what we're, our, our end goal, our vision is becoming like him. Paul talked about in, in, in Philippians chapter 3 how that he would, that his end goal basically was to know him. And not only to know him, but to know uh, the, not only the power of his resurrection, but also the fellowship of his sufferings. In other words, Paul knew that through uh, discipline and through putting the body under and, uh, and, and not giving the body every single appetite and every single craving and thing that it cries out for and throws a temper tantrum to have and wants and whines. It's like, uh, no, I'm not putting you under, but I'm keeping you under. He said that in 1 Corinthians 9, 27. But he said, because he knew that his body... If his appetites, his reasoning would lead him away and out of the will of God could even make him shipwrecked. He, he's told us specifically of that and gave us warnings of that in 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. He says, when I, I'm fighting, but I'm not fighting as one that beats the air. I'm fighting the good fight of faith. And, he's, and, in one of, and going on to that, he's, he's saying, I'm running my race like a disciplined athlete. Not just for a temporary prize, but for an eternal prize. And he says, and I keep under my body, lest by any means when I preach to others, I myself should be a cast away. Cast away, away, turned away. But, I, but we got good news today, though. If you're in that place, we have the good news of the gospel <laughs> that we're going to share from the scripture, and we're going to preach good news and that you don't have to be a castaway. You may feel drawn away. You may feel like you've been taken away, pulled away, pulled out by your flesh. But I tell you what, I've got good news for you today. Jesus Christ has built a case not against you, but for you. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit is building his case today with you based on the case that Jesus built. We're going to look at some scriptures in that. <laughs> and we don't want to argue against the Spirit of God regardless of what you've done, what bad deed, what evil sin, what good, bad, ugly, whatever it might be that pulled you away and pulled you out. You didn't keep your flesh under. You yielded to it. You became a castaway. I tell you what, God's telling you today, cast all your cares on me and just lean into me and I'll show you the way. You'll never dispel and, and and despond and keep running on the run, but you'll come back into my presence and lead and watch and have big fun. You'll walk in the presence of God. You'll laugh and cry. Lift up your eyes for the Lord draws nigh. Hallelujah. Praise God. His, his, his spirit has got a plan for you, <laughs> plan to prosper you, plan to keep you, give you a future and give you a hope, not to give you depression, not to make your face sour, not to lose hope. No, but to give you hope. I remember hearing years ago, like, how do I know if this is God's voice? How do I know if this is the Spirit of God talking to me? Just check your joy gauge. Where's your joy gauge? Is your joy up or is it down? If it's down, it's probably not God. It might be you or the devil, but it's probably not God. How's, how's my hope gauge? Is it up or down? If it's down, it's not God. God, even when God corrects us, he's always has a plan of salvation. There's always, I don't care how severe the correction might seem, there's always hope in there to where he's bringing you back. And so 
uh, check your joy gauge, check your hope gauge, and check your faith gauge. How is this affecting my faith? Is this inspiring my faith? Is this like trying to attack and steal my faith, trying to destroy my faith? That's probably not God then. Amen. So we are called to keep our body under. We are called to walk in the spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. We are called to yield and give place to his spirit and not just the dictates of the flesh or reasoning. <clears throat> but if that's been you, again, we've got good news. Let's get right into this here. Uh, time is a ticking, right? <laughs> but where is that clock? There it is. Thank you. All right. <laughs> Deliver me from that clock. <laughs> <laughs> not really. You, 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 you did not say amen to that, did you? It's like, no. <laughs> Praise the Lord. We're going to read from Romans chapter 8, verse 27 through 29. We're going to read there from a new Bible. I have the Passion Translation. Some of you might have that. I got that for Christmas. Man, I've really been enjoying it a lot. I'm just going to read a few scriptures for that, and then I'm going to go to the Amplified. And I believe the guys in the back are going to help me with some scriptures on the screen there so you can follow along from the Amplified if you don't have that version. But uh, yeah, I just want to talk to you today about uh, God's not building a case for you, against you rather. He's building a case for you. He's not coming against you. He's coming. He's, he's coming for you. He's on your side. He's for you. He's with you. He's in you. Let's get into this. Romans chapter 8, verse 27 says, God, the searcher of the heart, knows fully our longings. I'm reading from the Passion Translation. Yet he also understands the desires of the Spirit because the Holy Spirit passionately pleads before God for us, his holy ones, in perfect harmony with God's plan and our destiny. I tell you what, even when you're messing up, even when you're walking outside of God's will, the Spirit of God is working on the inside of somebody. That's what this is talking about. Praying through somebody, uh, passionately pleading for you in perfect harmony with God's plan and destiny for you. Aren't you glad that if you step off the path or, or, or get led astray for a moment, someone's praying for you and the Holy Spirit through them is interceding for you to bring you back into the light. Yeah. Yeah. Has that ever been you? Yeah. Am I the only one in here that that's ever happened to? Ever? No? Okay. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Okay, well, I'll go over here and preach to myself. And, and, so, and so the goodness, Mickey, of God is <laughs> don't, don't ever give up. Never give up on me. Oh, my God. So, wasn't that a good song? Praise the Lord. Okay. Squirrel? No. We're back here. We're back here, Kate. We're back here. I'm coming back. <laughs> okay. Uh, verse 28. So we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together for good. For we are his lovers who have been called to fulfill his design purpose. For he knew all about us before we were born, and he destined us from the beginning to share the likeness 
of his son. And in the Amplified, it says to be molded into the image of his son and share inwardly his likeness. That's what I was coming up in my heart a while ago about that by the Spirit, although I'd studied some of this earlier, but coming up by the Spirit. But we're, we're not called so much to something as we are to someone. When Jesus, in Mark 3, verse 15, it talked about how that he called his disciples to him in order that they might be with him. And then he would send them out to preach, cast out devils, right, and heal sicknesses. We can never get the what before the who. The who always has to stay before the what. If we don't, we're going to get off track. Even right in the midst of trying to serve God. Right in the middle, trying to do his will. Get so burnt out, so tired, because we're thinking we're trying to do something Got a vision to accomplish instead of not realizing, Lord Jesus, you are my vision. You are my vision. You are my end and all. My, 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 your whole purpose in part. Does that make sense? Is that a contradictor? Your whole purpose in part. That, that's, <laughs> his purpose, how about that, is for us to be conformed to his image. Not only in authority and Laying hands on the sick, casting out evil spirits, speaking a word, prophesying him. But who we are, our character, our nature, how we interact with one another. For time's sake, we won't. But if I took you to Romans 12, let me just say this. If I took you to Romans 12, I could, we could talk, we could look at the scripture in verse Two, where it says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Sometimes when we get on that, we get really excited, and I think we should. And we'll have the in him scriptures, like this is, this is my Bible. This is, this, I am who it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. I get real happy saying that. I love saying that. I love meditating in who I am in Christ. But you know, there is a, there's a scripture that says knowledge puffs up, but love edifies you know, sometimes if we don't watch it, we can, we, we can slip over into more about what he's made me, etc. not meaning to, and sort of begin to miss the who. And what I mean by that is sometimes we can learn what to think, but not so much how to think. In other words, if we kept reading in Romans 12, we would see that that whole, that whole context of that whole book, you read, all, you read those first few verses like, oh, yes, praise God, I'm powerful in Christ. I can do all these things. And then does it keep going about like, yeah, go cast out devils and this, that? No, it goes to relationships. <laughs> the next, you know, 20 scriptures or whatever are about how to get along with each other. How, 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 how to work with each other, how to relate with each other, how to deal with each other. Ever had to deal with somebody? Ever had to deal with yourself? 
Mac, I know you're honest. I know, I've had to deal with myself. If you had to deal with yourself before, I've had to deal with myself. amen, brother. Amen. <laughs> One honest man at least in here. <laughs> amen. I had to deal. But you know, sometimes I was like, hey, just deal with it. Well, how does God deal with us? How does God deal with us? I'm, this whole thing I'm talking about renewing our mind and knowing what to think and how to think. It's important that we know how to relate to one another. Do you know the verse? We're going to read this later, but I'm just going to quote, quote it right now. You know, there's a verse of scripture in Psalm 103. I think it's one of the very, very last scriptures we'll read today, but I'm just going to jump ahead right there and we'll come back. It says that the Lord has not dealt with us according to our sins. He has not dealt with us according to our sins. My question would be to you and me, then how come sometimes when we're coming to him, there's more of that on our mind than it is who he says we are? How come if, if he does not deal with us according to our sins, how come when we come to church endeavoring to worship the Lord, how come there's more about something we've done wrong, something we're not getting right, instead of just... I'm not dealing with you according to your sin. I love you. I died for you. Why? I paid a high, like the one lady with her kid at Disneyland. No, you gonna have a good time. I paid too much money for you to be acting like a brat in here. You're gonna have fun. <laughs> so it's sort of like, I gave my life for you. I paid the price for you. I'm, I'm not dealing with you according to your sins. Where do you keep getting that idea? Why do you keep walking with so much pressure and stress on your life, trying to measure up, trying to be good enough, not realizing I'm not dealing with you according to your sins. I am dealing with you based on the blood that's presented at the mercy seat that I'm seeing right there. Jesus is interceding for you right now. And you're like, oh, uh, come on now. You're going to have a good time, bless God. <laughs> Amen. And <laughs> we won't condemn you over that. <laughs> that would sort of be counterproductive, right? Amen. So let's look at some scriptures of like, and let this try to soak into our mind, our soul, and our heart. Now, see, it's one thing to come to church and get real happy and get blessed. If you don't come to Wednesday night, I invite you to come to Wednesday night, too. Man, you get blessed there. Whew, it's awesome. Uh, but it's one thing to, to you know, to, to, uh, to be happy and to be blessed. And it's another thing to be in a real hard place. To walk out of these doors. There'll be many people today that'll walk out. When my wife and I walk out today, well, yeah, that was a good day. Hallelujah. Praise God. And what are we going to eat? And we're going to meet with uh, some friends later tonight. We're going to read some a book and stuff and have a good time. It's going to be happy. It's going to be fun. There's nothing really going on. Our, our lives are good. We've never been without struggle, right? That have been always been our days, so, you know, leaving a church or something. But I'm just saying, there'll be people that leave this building today that there's heavy things that are on their hearts. There's heavy burdens that are on their hearts. Some because of stuff other people are doing, and some because of stuff they do. <laughs> they are them. <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say. 
I'm from Mississippi. You can blame it on that. <laughs> right? So in those situations where you're facing like, mm, Lord, I didn't keep my body under. We talked about that already, right? When you do these, we talked about that this service. No, we didn't? Is that last service? Oh, gee, Lord Jesus. <sighs> come, come now. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Yeah, so there, there'll be people that'll leave today that might be, God, I'm ashamed of what I've been doing. I'm ashamed of what I said. You might get so beat up by the devil and not realize that God's not dealing with you according to your sins that you might end up just continuing to yield to that. The next thing you're going to know, what's the use? I don't feel like I belong. That may just be because of something in you. But nonetheless, you do belong. So, you know, that's one thing. When the devil the devil's such a liar and such a, such a deceiver. A lot of times he will, he'll bring temptation. And then right immediately after the temptation, he'll whisper condemnation. Yep. <laughs> and you're innocent. It's like you're just minding your own business. It's like, I'm just minding my own business. I was temptation. And then like condemnation. He's like, mm, that's who you are. Oh, you, I can't believe you're thinking that. I can't believe you do it. Dude, I'm just minding my own business. So it's important during those times you realize I am not what I am tempted by. I am a boy. This is my way. This is my Bible. I am who it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. That's who I am in Christ. So now we're going to look from the time we have left. We're going to look at um, some scriptures that are going to buoy you up, boost you up, help you to know that God does not deal with you according to your sins. So <laughs> verse 33, we're going to read from the Amplified. No, no, I'm sorry. Verse 30. Let's go back to verse 30 from the Amplified. <clears throat> and those whom he called, he also justified. That's good news, isn't it? You know what justified means? It means acquitted. It means that somebody was coming against you, accusing you, Trump trying to bring some kind of crazy, illegal lawsuit that's not right against you, and you got proven innocent. You were acquitted. All charges were dropped. Just like we see Jesus and the lady taken in adultery, like, or the, or the woman at the well with all the five husbands and all her life. It's like, hey, you know what? You're acquitted. You're acquitted on all charges. So those whom he called, he also justified. We're still in Romans 8, verse 30 from the Amplified. And made righteous, putting them into right standing with himself. And those whom he justified, he also glorified, raising them to a heavenly dignity and condition or state of being. Verse 33, who shall bring any charge against God's elect? I think sometimes we read questions in the Bible and we do an injustice by not stopping to answer those questions. We just read right past them. We don't even think about it. So we could maybe think about this for like just a second today. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect when it is God who justifies? That is, who puts us in right relation to himself. 
Who shall come forward and accuse or impeach those whom God has chosen? Will God who acquits us? I tell you what, God is not looking to impeach you. God is not looking to accuse you. God has already acquitted you. He's already dying for you. He's already declared you not guilty. He's already declared you righteous. Even if you've been born again for 20 years and you went out and did something totally stupid and really bad and you know it already, he's already paid the price for that forgiveness. And he's inviting you back. He's inviting you home. He's inviting you. Not so you can go practice sin again. That's not the plan. He wants you to be free from that. Because you know, that's like, why have Alpo? Remember old dog food Alpo? When you can have steak. Like why, why every temptation is just a perversion of what you could get in the presence of God. Why like, oh God, that's so appealing to me. You idiot, that's Alpo. Come over here to the state. You know, come over here to the good stuff. Now I'm saying you idiot. I'm, I'm talking to myself. I'm talking to all of us. I'm not, I'm not calling you that. Okay, anybody that would go for that, right? I mean, that, if we could see in the spirit realm, wouldn't that be true? Oh my God. Dude, what is wrong with you? You're like going for the Alpo and God's got a great, you know, big course meal over here for you at the table. Come on up. Come on up and be fed. Amen. He prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies. So if the devil's whispering in your ear, <laughs> accusing you, oh, thank you, Lord, pass that forgiveness, pass that mercy. Pass that joy, pass that hope, pass that faith. Thank you. Woo, pass that helmet of salvation, pass that breastplate of righteousness, pass my feet shot in the preparation of the gospel of peace. Thank you, Lord. Pass that. Thank you. Yes. That's the word of God. See, say this with me, would you? Say, uh, Jesus is not building a case against me. He has already built a case for me. Therefore, the, the Holy Spirit is not building a case against me. He's building a case for me. Let's say that one more time. Jesus is not building a case against me. He's already built a case for me. The Holy Spirit is not building a case against me. The Holy Spirit is building a case for me. Now, what are we talking about? We're talking about when we're in trouble, when we mess up, when we're sinning. It's like, don't agree with your accuser. Agree with your advocate who is in heaven, your high priest, Jesus, your advocate, that's at the right hand of the throne of God where the blood is presented. Agree with him when he's saying, yep, you're acquitted. <laughs> you're free. Praise God. Now, see, I heard years ago, uh, years ago, I heard Brother Hagin tell a story of how that uh, there was a guy that had been in his church and, and hadn't been coming. He got saved. And then uh, he used to frequent these little uh, taverns, nightclubs, and bars in the daytime, stopping by there on the way home and all this and that, and going to these dark dives, they called him. And so this guy got saved, was born again, walking in the light. And then one day, lo and behold... I think it was even Brother Hagin himself. He saw him from a distance down the block. He saw this guy go in there. 
And then Brother Hagin kept going his way, so he didn't know, you know, what happened after that. I'm just saying, making a point right here, that if you saw that, if I saw that, how would we deal with that? We'd probably pray for the person, right? But what we would never want to do is in someone's struggle or in their fight against sin, etc., we never want to agree with the accuser of our brethren. To we're like, did you say so-and-so? I can't believe they did that. I can't, they, they already backslid now. They're already going back into that. I just, you know, I thought, we thought we knew them. I don't know how they could do that. We, that's, acu- that's, that's joining in with the accuser of the brethren. That, that is not working with the Spirit of God. This, Jesus has already built a case for us. The Holy Spirit is working with us to build a case, bringing our, his word and his righteousness to our remembrance. Making sense? Let's keep reading. Where we leave off? In verse 34? Is that where we left off? Okay. Who is there to condemn us? Will Christ Jesus, the Messiah who died, or rather who was raised from the dead, who is at the right hand of God, actually pleading as he intercedes for us. I tell you what, the Lord Jesus is there at the right hand of the Father God, even today, pleading for some who are in need, pleading that they would turn, pleading their case before the Father God. Lord, I plead my blood. There's the blood. The blood of Jesus speaks better things than that of Abel. The blood of Jesus speaks on your behalf. I had that really strong in my heart last night that people needed this here today. That they need to know that God is not dealing with you according to your sins. He's not doing some invisible pretend he doesn't see. Oh, I just see you through colored glasses. No, I see it all. The good, bad, and ugly. And you're acquitted because of my love for you. You are forgiven. Let's keep going. Let's look. Let's uh, verse 35. I'm going to read uh, actually this verse from the, the Passion Translation. It says, who could ever divorce us from the endless love of God's anointed one? Absolutely no one. Divorce. What does divorce mean? It means disconnect. It means distance. It means detach. Disconnect, distance, detach. Who could ever divorce or distance us from the love of God? No one, my friend. No one. Let's look in Isaiah 43, verse 25 through 26. We're talking about that Jesus is not building a case against you. Jesus has already built a case for you. The Holy Spirit is not building a case against you. The Holy Spirit is building a case for you. He's working with you to remind you what the Word of God says about your life, what the Word says about sin, and how you have been forgiven. Uh, Verse 25 says, this is from the King James Version, it says, I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for my own sake and will not remember your sins. Put me in remembrance. Let us plead together. Declare thou that you, that thou mayest be justified, that you may be acquitted. 
See, this, who is he talking to? He's talking to someone that needs forgiveness. He's talking to someone that needs their case pled. And he's telling them, put me in remembrance. Remind me of what my word says. Come, let's plead your case together. Thank God we are not left without an advocate. Jesus is our advocate, which is like our lawyer arguing on our behalf, arguing the case that he's made for our ability to be like him. See, the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but God came to give us life and that more abundantly. I am, I promise you, I'm not just up here talking today about like, oh, just forgiveness of sins. No, I'm talking about this type of thinking to where this could save your whole home. It could save your whole business. It could save your whole marriage. It could save your whole life. Knowing not just what to think, but how. I shared in the first service how that it's a blessing to me to get to counsel with people here at the church. Because by the grace of God, the Lord has taught me some of how to think and not just what to think. If you listen to what I'm saying, what I mean by that is he's given me perspective that goes in line with these scriptures. So that if I'm coming in and someone's in a really bad place and there's been some stuff that really yeah, been ashamed of, you know, people saw that. I can be like Jesus as much as I can, right? That means that what that means is I don't have to be reactive. I don't have to be like, oh my God, what? You did what? You? I'd never have thought that. How could you have ever got to that place? I cannot believe that. No, I'm like, <laughs> sort of like God. No, I'm not, I'm not surprised by anything, <laughs> right? But it, right in the midst of that, that's not the emphasis on what's done. That was bad. The emphasis is on, I don't have to get so uncomfortable like, oh, God, we got to do something real quick to fix it. Like, no, let's just, God is good. His mercy endures forever. I went to a Bible school that the founder would say over and over and over for two years. And we were there. Everybody say it with me. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. If there's one thing I remember being at Rainbow Bible Training Center for two years, but Brother Hagen is in his 70s then. I think that man had some perspective on life, and I think he realized the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Does that mean that, like, oh, Pastor Mickey, just thinking, talking to us like we're just all messing up, walking all carnal and stuff today? No, I'm not, I'm not trying to do that, but you might be at the same time, if you're thinking that, you might be walking in pride and arrogance and in self-importance and, and thinking you're all this and that, and, the, and, and you know, you know what I'm saying? I'm not accusing you of that, but I'm saying if that thought passes through your mind, it's like your righteousness and my righteousness is only in him. It's not in, my, it's not in myself. Paul said in Galatians chapter 6, verse 14, I, I boast nothing except in the cross of Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 2, verse 4 and 5, he talked about that how he, he did not preach. We do not preach ourselves, but we preach Jesus. He kept the focus on Jesus. So let's, let's, look, let's get back quickly. 
uh, uh, to, I'm going to read from the New Living Translation of Isaiah 43, verse 25 and 26. That verse of scripture says, verse 25, it says, we'll never think of them. That is the sin again. It says, let us review the situation together and you can present your case to prove your innocence. See, if people come to counseling to me, I'm not looking to try to accuse them. I'm not looking to try to build a case against them, try to look, act all shocked. No, it's like, let's plead this case together. Praise God. What does the word of God say? What's the Holy Spirit ministering to your heart? What, what, what you know? You know you're the righteousness of God. Let's get let's 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 keep hooking up with that. Let's keep let's let's hook up with the Pastor PJ mentioned about hooking up. Let's hook up with the Holy Ghost. Amen. Hooking up my tongue to my heart. Lord, let me let my tongue hooked up to my heart. And, and give me, give me, make my tongue as the pen of a ready writer. Lord, thank you for giving me utterance in prayer today as we pray for this situation. Amen. Uh, one more verse of scripture. <clears throat> Actually, two. Psalm uh, 130 and then Psalm 103. And then I'm going to play a song at the very end here. <clears throat> It's about the blood of Jesus. You don't know it, likely, because it's about 30-something years old, written by Keith Moore. Uh, but it's so simple, you'll catch on really quick. I'll just play it for just a moment. Psalm 130, out of the Amplify, says, If you, Lord, should keep account of and treat us according to our sins, O Lord, who could stand? How is he treating you today? He's not dealing with you according to your sins. Can you say this with me? Say, Jesus is not building a case against me. He's already built a case for me. The Holy Spirit is not building a case against me. He's already built a case for me. He's building it. Amen. Last verse of scripture here. Psalm 103, verse 8, 10, and 12 from the Amplified. Psalm 103, 8, 10, and 12 from the Amplified says, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy and loving kindness. He has not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. I tell you what, you may know those scriptures, but as we said earlier, it's knowledge puffs up, it's love that edifies. We might have knowledge, we might, <clears throat> we might, we might have knowledge and know what to think, but we may not know how. Exactly. And that is with the perspective of that the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. I just want to sing this song just about the blood. I pray that it ministers to your spirit. Because only his word and his blood can cleanse your conscience. The word talks about how that our conscience are washed with pure water by the blood of Jesus Christ. We're whole in him. Because of the blood.
to forgive, so understanding and patient all the time, slow to be angry and ready to forgive. Do you know how easy that is to be that way with each other at church sometimes? That's pretty easy. How, you know, that's a little different than with your spouse at home, but with your kids at home or with certain situations. But you know what you've been ordained to, to, to walk like? To Jesus, with your with your wife, with your husband, with your kids, with those that know you best, they see the good, the bad, the ugly. You've been called to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You've been destined to be conformed to the image of Christ, not just to know what to think, but how. When I see you do that, 
Am I just going to be bugged by some insecurity and some button in me getting pushed because something I need? Or can I develop to a place of maturity to where God is so God in me? I'm not like, ooh, flowing, flowing around just flaky, you know, like weird. Like, I'm not just a real person. But like, God is such in me and such love that I'm not so sensitive insensitive or oversensitive not every little thing my wife would do like bugs me because it's all about me well you did this well maybe you're thinking too much about you or just insensitive where you're just running roughshod over people not even realizing like being such a dummy dummy okay thank you Pastor Bill dummy Thank you. Yeah. I wouldn't have to repent wouldn't have to repent right now. So anyway, there's hope. There's hope. Our goal is and our and our destiny is we do not have to deal with one another after our sins. He doesn't deal with us that way. He's our example. He's our father. His nature is in me. So therefore. I don't need, I need to deal with you the way he deals with me, right? My wife, my kids, my friends, amen.